So this morning, we're starting a new series called On Purpose. And I'm going to speak a message today entitled, Shake It Off. We all know the Taylor Swift song, Shake It Off. I'm not going to sing it for you this morning. But there is a great passage in Acts chapter 28 that I want to speak from this morning, which really reminds us that our life at times is going to be plagued by the opportunity to be distracted. There's going to be temptations along the way for us to be taken off course, for us to be pushed and pulled in different directions than God had intended for us. And there's going to be times where we would easily just find ourselves sliding in a direction that God doesn't want us to go. And so we started this new day, this new season with a new series called On Purpose. And the reason for that is we don't want to live just accidental lives. We don't want to come to the end of our lives and we've just, we've just achieved everything we've done in our life by accident. We just started a job and we just started to work our way up and we got there and we just had a family and we've just had, you know, built a house or you know, we've had kids and things have just happened by accident in our life. We want to make sure that from the start, We live our lives purposeful. When we look at our life and what God has called us to, it's not just based about the culture of the day and what this world would tell us is important. It actually is based out of the Word of God. And so when we go to the master plan, when we start to go to the master builder, Jesus Christ, and we look at His Word and how He wants to to build a foundation in our life and build our lives on purpose, That's where we start to understand that as we do that and we apply his words, it gives us strength to be able to move forward and live a purposeful life. I don't want to live by accident. I don't want to just live my quota of time here on earth and then my time is done. We need to be careful that our life's patterns don't take priority over our life's purpose. It's so easy to be caught up in just the pattern of our day. We all have patterns. You may not realize it, but you have a pattern. You have a time that your alarm goes off in the morning. You get up and you've got a pattern in the morning. There's probably a certain breakfast uh, cereal or, or toast that you have or a spread on your toast that you have most days. There's probably a pattern of what you do, whether you prepare your clothes for the day before and then you get up or perhaps you're, you're like me and you just iron them in the morning and get ready for the day then and there. And then you get in the car and there's a time that you need to be at work and there's a time that you have lunch. There's a pattern to your life. And what happens is when we don't take stock of our life and think about the purpose that God has for us, patterns just take over. And we don't even think anymore in terms of God's purpose for our life. We just think in terms of what is next on the pattern. What's next in the process of my day? And we forget about the purpose that God has for our life, which is so much higher and so much greater than just the patterns of our life. I love in Romans 8 verse 28, it says... And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. I love in Hebrews 12, it says in verse 1, Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. I really believe that life's biggest challenge is just keeping our eyes on Jesus. Keeping our eyes on him when we live in a world that always wants to distract us from him. 
We live in a world where we have patents, where we have jobs, we have responsibilities, we have to-do lists, we have things we need to achieve. But our greatest achievement is our relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's truly where we live a life of purpose. Otherwise, we just start living from a place of patents. And I don't know about you, but I know with my life, I want to build on the great foundation, the foundation of Jesus Christ. I want this church to be built on Jesus Christ. There is nothing else that we can do or achieve that is greater than to build our lives upon Jesus Christ. He is the rock. He is the builder of the church. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's the God that we serve. And we've got to build our lives upon Jesus Christ and his purpose. There's no one, when I look through scripture and I start to see the different characters of the Bible, there's nobody that seems to me that is more on purpose than the apostle Paul. When you look at Paul, he's a man that was once named Saul. He was a man that persecuted and killed Christians. But yet he had a radical encounter with Jesus Christ. And that changed the course of his life. And so much so that he became known as this apostle, this man that would relentlessly go after Jesus Christ, would relentlessly go after spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ to the known world and all those people that were around and about him at that time. He was so passionate about the purpose that God had put in his life. And such an inspiration for us today to live like Paul. To not be distracted by our past. He could have been somebody that could have truly wallowed in his past. Thinking about how he'd persecuted Christians. The failure of his life. How he'd got it so wrong. But yet as soon as he made that decision to follow Jesus Christ, he just looked towards his future. He looked towards what God had called him to do. And he just did it with everything that he had. There was many distractions along the way for Paul. We read in Acts chapter 28, which is going to be our key scripture today, but a bit of a lead up to Acts 28, Paul had been arrested for his faith in Jesus Christ. He'd been arrested for preaching the gospel. And so he was, on, he was getting sent to Rome to be on trial for this crime of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. He got put on this boat and started sailing towards you know, Rome where they were going to meet up there. And it was ultimately he was enchained. He was in prison for months and months and months. And he was going to be going there to face the music. He was going to go in there and face the judge, which would make a decision on his future. But on the way, even though there had already been disruptions, on the way we pick up here in Acts chapter 20, 28, there had been a huge disruption because as they were traveling, the boat got shipwrecked. As they were traveling along, they started to encounter uh, all these, these huge seas and this wind and the waves that kind of came up into the boat and they crashed into the shore. We're reading Acts chapter 28. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, it says in verse 1, Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy. So they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. And it felt like that, where you've got this purpose in your heart. You've got this dream and desire to do something great for God. And then you encounter a cold and rainy season, a time where that faith and that commitment is tested. And we think about that in our lives, it was tested for Paul, and it's going to be tested for us. It's a different context of the society we live in today, but the test will still be there. It says, as Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, 
a poisonous snake driven out by the heat bit him on the hand. I know Troy loves snakes, but I'm still not convinced. There doesn't seem to be any good references to snakes in the Bible. Verse 4 says, The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, A murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped from the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. <laughs> How quickly people change. <laughs> Near the shore where, he, where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. As it happened, Publius's father was ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went in and prayed for him, and laying his hands on him, he healed him. Then all of the other sick people on the island came and were healed. Remember, this story started with a shipwreck, and now people are getting healed. Could it be that sometimes God's detour is God's direction? And as a result, we were showered with honors, and when the Time came to sail. People supplied us with everything we would need for the trip. It was three months after the shipwreck that we set sail on another ship. Three months of what seems like a huge distraction. Three months of pain of, ship, of this shipwreck that had kind of taken place. This distraction where here he is, Paul. It seems like he's serving the people and in that moment, a snake bites him. Have you ever been serving God and you've been bitten by a snake? And there's some kind of poison that sinks into your life. Maybe something happens to you where there's an opportunity for bitterness. There's an opportunity for hurt. There's an opportunity for your past to rear its head again and remind you of the fact that you were a failure at some point. And those things can sometimes get into our life and be like poison. But I love Paul took the moment and said, I'm going to shake it off. I'm going to let go of it. And sometimes in our life when there's poison and there's hurt and there's pain and there's detour, we need to be reminded to shake it off because God has a purpose for our life. He's got a plan for our life that's so much better than what happened in our past. And I don't want to be somebody that just holds on to the snake and says, oh, that's... That's going to live with me now. That attachment's going to stay with me. That pain and that bitterness is going to live in my life. That apathy is just going to attach itself and wrap itself around my life and stay with me. That sense of just living ordinary is just going to wrap around my life. I don't want that to be the case. I don't want that to be the case in my life. I don't want that to be the case in your life. Sometimes we've got to shake it off. And God's got a purpose for us that's so much bigger than the plans the enemy has for our life. Talk about a bad day, a bad week, a bad few months, a bad few years. Paul went through it all. This man had been stoned for his faith. He'd been beaten. He'd been put in prison. But yet while he was going through that process, he's writing letters to encourage the church. He's preaching to the guards that were around and about him. He's sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. This guy was the terminator for the gospel. He couldn't be stopped. And I wonder whether we could take some inspiration this morning from the Apostle Paul and think about our lives and think, you know what, I'm going to stay on course. I'm going to be committed to what God has called me to do, what he's asked me to do. What's the sphere of influence that God has given you? 
Every one of us have been gifted with influence. We've been gifted with opportunity. We've been gifted with time. What will we do with what God has given us? Will we remain faithful? Will we stay purposeful? Even in a season where it seems like there's a detour, because I tell you this, sometimes God uses a detour because it's his direction. He takes the pain, he takes the hurt, he takes things that the enemy meant for evil, and God uses it for his purpose. He does it so often. The gospel is full of stories of Jesus just turning things around. I think about this church, and I think about the seasons this church has been through. It's been through good, it's been through bad. It's a bit like all of our lives. It's been through seasons where it's just been steady. It's been through all different kinds of seasons, but God has had a plan and a purpose through it all. And God has used each season, each chapter, each moment, and he's found a way to get good out of it in people's lives. How do I know that? Because you're sitting here today. Someone else's faithfulness and sacrifice has enabled you to be here today, has enabled me to be here today, for us to be in this building today. And God's purpose has ultimately prevailed even through the seasons, through the rough seas, through the smooth seas, all through those seasons God has brought us through. There was a great boxing match that happened about 18 months ago. It was a huge fight kind of build up. A guy by the name of Anthony Joshua, who had been undefeated, was about to take on who had been the former world champion. He just lost his title, but his name was Vladimir um, Klitschko. Thank you, Jamie. Vladimir Klitschko. And this fight was the heavyweight title. It was this huge fight kind of build up. It was kind of like this moment where this young guy, Anthony Joshua, It was his time to take on the champion. This guy had been world champion for 10 years, heavyweight champion for 10 years, and carried that title. And this fight was so built, and so many pay-per-views went towards it. A huge crowd, I think it was 90,000 people at Wembley Stadium as this fight took place. What happened is it started to to take, take place. It seemed like Anthony Joshua was winning the fight, got to the sixth round, and Vladimir hit, I'm not sure whether it was a left or right, but hit Anthony Joshua and knocked him to the ground. First time in his professional career he'd ever been knocked to the ground. And he got up, and I've watched this documentary on it, and he got up off the floor. First time he'd really tasted adversity like that. He got up and looked at this champion. You can imagine the fear of thinking, well, now I'm taking on this guy. This is a new level now. This is the guy that had been champion for 10 years, and uh, he's got all the experience. He still got the power and he stood back up and Anthony looked at this guy and said, I'm going to take a round or two and then I'm going to knock you out. And he got up and you could see him, you can actually see, you can see him talking to him saying, just give me a round or two. I'm I'm conserving energy. I'm going to knock you out. And so he, he took a round. He wasn't throwing as many punches. He still was just remaining agile. Took the second round. The next round, he'd come in with an uppercut that would knock a semi-trailer down and just knocks this guy straight to the ground and then just starts pummeling him and, uh, and, and, and wins the fight. And it's an incredible story and an incredible way that that kind of all took place because it was a man that overcome adversity. But when I think about that story, I think about this church. We were knocked down, but we weren't knocked out. And sometimes we need to take a a moment and just acknowledge how far the enemy lost, how badly he lost, where he thought he had us knocked out, but he only knocked us down. We took a round or two and said, hey, we're just going to conserve our energy. 
but we're coming back. And then I feel even, I sense it now that there is a new power, there's a new enthusiasm, there's a new sense of, of ownership, there's a new sense of excitement for the future because God has restored, God has strengthened and brought power back, He's brought healing back. And God doesn't heal something for no purpose. He always uses a healing miracle to share His power and His goodness. And our church is going to be a testimony of that, of how God took us from here to here. And I'm really excited about that. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for our community. Because we don't exist for just ourselves. We exist for Mount Riv and Lawson and the lower, the mid, the upper mountains. We exist for the region and those that are around and about us. We exist for a purpose beyond ourselves. If you still have a pulse, you still have a purpose. And God can take you and God can use you. I love 1 Corinthians 9 verse 26. It says, so I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. <laughs> I run with purpose in every step. And this new season ahead, let's run with purpose. And so I just want to briefly look at three things this morning, three ways to live purposeful, three reminders. The first one's this. Number one, God's power is greater than any poison the enemy meant for you. Acts chapter 28, it goes back to say, as Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake driven out by the heat bit him on the hand. About 18 months ago when I was walking into the cafe, I walked over unknowingly a snake to go to the fridge. And um, then as I turned around, I seen this snake moving around, but it was attached to um, this kind of sticky pad that was there to kind of stick to cockroaches. It was only a small snake. Uh, Troy says it was probably a teenager. And uh, it was stuck to its head. And so it wanted to bite me so bad. And uh, in fact, the, I guess the poison that was there was spitting out of it. This little red-bellied black snake was spitting out of it onto the sticky pad. But it couldn't bite me because it was stuck to the pad. <laughs> And so it's looking at me, I'm looking at, it, uh, looking at it, and I'm thinking, you want to hurt me so badly, you want to poison me, but you can't touch me, because there's something stuck to you. And I think about that when it comes to our life, the enemy wants to poison us so badly. He wants us to be hurt by our past. He wants us to be poisoned by bitterness. He wants to be choked out by apathy. He wants us to be attached to things that sometimes would drag us away from our purpose. But the Word of God sticks and stops that poison from getting to us. The Word of God is a barrier that stops that pain from being able to get into our heart and poison us. And I want to encourage you in whatever season that you're in right now, it may feel like the enemy is trying to poison you, trying to hold you back, trying to destroy parts of your life. But just being reminded again to allow the word of God to create that barrier where his love, his goodness, his grace, his strength, his promises would be spoken over our lives again would be held up to us and, and remind us again of strength in the midst of adversity. That no matter what we are facing right now, God's word is there to strengthen and hold us. An antidote to poison is God's promises. It's interesting that Paul was serving the people as this poisonous snake struck him. And it's so true when it comes to our lives that there's times where we're faithfully serving God, but there's an opportunity for poison to strike us but allow God's word to be strong in that season. 
allow his word to be able to give us strength and just hold us and help us. Do you know that trust can be built in the trial? Those moments where it feels like our world's falling apart, where there's difficulty and there's challenge and there's pain. You know, trust can actually be transmitted from that. I remember in my life when I was about 15 years old, my dad was coming to grips with the passing of my, my mum. And he went through all kinds of, I guess, mental health challenges. And he spent some time in, in hospital and was just really struggling with depression, was struggling with how does he move on with his life. Raised two kids after the passing of his wife for many years. And you can imagine, for anybody that has encountered that, how life-changing that is. And so he was struggling with that, but in, during that time, he, I guess, started to get a, a gambling addiction as well. And so that was part of his process of trying to heal. He would spend time gambling and, and doing these things, and it was just a downward spiral in his own life. And as a 14, 15-year-old, it kind of the responsibility, unfortunately, fell to me to try and address what was going on, this slide that was going on in my dad's life. I was well unequipped to be able to deal with it. But I loved my dad enough to trust him and to believe in him. And I had these moments with my dad where trust was time and time and time again broken, where he would say, I'm not going to do it again. And then he'd come home at night And I would be the person to keep him accountable to it. In tears in his eyes, a way that you would never want to see your father. And he would just be so ashamed. Be like a child, just crying and ashamed of himself. And sometimes I would stay in his room at night to make sure that he didn't sneak out and do it again. And this man was just riddled with shame and and the pain of what he was doing to his family, but he just felt like he couldn't stop. An incredible miracle took place in his life where he was completely healed from his addiction. Completely healed. And he walked through that process and come out the other side. And you would think that through that process of pain that our trust between a father and a son would have been broken. But I can tell you this, God is a restorer. And our trust and our relationship was better than ever after that because of what we had been through together. And I say that this morning to encourage you because maybe there's a relationship in your life or maybe there's somebody in your life where trust has been broken, where there's been pain that's been caused and you think it's irreversible. You think you're never going to get over that pain. Can I encourage you this morning that sometimes trials can transmit trust and you may not see it in that moment. But it takes time for you to be able to actually see the miracle take place. That's why soldiers come back from war and there is a trust that's formed between them because they stood together in adversity. They went through something that was horrible, but they went through it together. And years later, they catch up and they have a beer together and they spend time together and they talk and they, they do life together and their relationships are so tight, their bonds are so strong, they'll never be broken because they went through the trial together. So don't be dismayed when you go through times where trust is broken. Stick solid. Stay on purpose. Be strong because God will bring you through that. And I tell you what, your trust can be even greater than it was before. Interesting fact, you know a cockroach can live for nine days without its head. Nine days. The reason that it dies is because it hasn't eaten. 
because its head's chopped off. But it lives for nine days without its head. It doesn't bleed out like a human being. But it dies because it wasn't fed. When it comes to our own lives, we've got to be careful that we feed our lives with God's power, His promises, God's perspective of our life. We've got to make sure that we actually start to see things from His point of view and allow His power to transform our lives. Because it's so tempting for us just to go along and try and just be self-made people and not understand that our only strength comes from God's Word. Our only strength comes from us being connected to Jesus Christ, not by power, not by might, but by your Spirit, says the Lord. By His Spirit, by His power. That's what strengthens us and holds us. And so in Proverbs 4 verse 20, this is a scripture that the prayer team have been highlighting over my life personally, but I think it's something for us as a church as well. It says in Proverbs 4 verse 20, My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Don't let, uh, let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path to your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. You know what I see there? Don't let motion steal devotion. Don't let the motion of your life steal your personal devotion to Jesus Christ. You know what? I think that devotion in this culture and society today is under huge attack. We come to church and we, we experience a service we go to connect groups and we experience great relationships with others. We have great events as a church and we have great things going on in our own world. We've got our kids that are doing sport. We've got our own lives where we've got deadlines and things to do. We've got plenty of things that can take our attention. We've got plenty of motion in our life, but devotion is the strength of our life. What I'm talking about when I say devotion is your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, reading the Bible and praying, which is something that you cannot replicate in a church service. Just something that you cannot replicate in a group, at a connect group. It's personal. It's something that's done in the unseen. It's something that's done in your lounge room at home or your bedroom at home. It's a solo project. It's you and it's God. And it's so, 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 so important to the building of the church. When God says, I will build my church, what he's saying is he will build your life. And so we need to take the time to allow him to build our lives. And sometimes we need to just get on our knees when no one's there, when there's no platform there, when there's no attention, there's no focus, there's no lights, there's no big music, there's no big crowd to do it together. Just get on our knees and get before God and say, God, what are you speaking to me? How do you want to build my life? And there's so many things that happen in that moment where God corrects, he challenges, he encourages, he builds, he puts hope on the inside of us that you'll never get from a church service, that you'll never get from me, that you'll never get from a leader because you're just going to God direct. Do you know the church exists to connect people with God? That's why we exist. 
our flashy services, our connect groups, our programs, our events, all of that is actually about helping you have a personal relationship with God. And when it is all boiled down, that is what it is about. And so I want you this morning to be reminded that it's so important to take some time in your day just between you and God. So this is what we're going to do as a church. We're starting a plan called the Proverbs Plan through the month of July. If you see on your seats, there is one of these uh, brochures that's there. If you don't have one on your seat, you can go out into the foyer after the service. And what we're going to do is we're going to endeavor to read the 31 chapters of Proverbs in the 31 days of July. One chapter a day. Perhaps you won't even read a, a full chapter. That's okay. Just read a verse. Just read one verse in that chapter. I'm not asking for religious activity. I'm trying to encourage personal relationship. And when we set aside time for God, we set aside time for our lives to be built. We set aside time for us to live a life that's on purpose. We set aside uh, an understanding that our eternity is in play. We understand that our life is not about the patterns, but it's actually about the purpose God has for us. And so today's July, July 1, and I encourage you to join us as we do this as a church. It's not a religious thing. It's just an encouragement for us to each one of us to have personal devotion, personal relationship with Jesus. Even if it's just one verse, just read it, meditate on it, pray, God, what are you speaking to me out of that? And allow his power to just disable any poison that would come into your life. Allow his word to be able, and his promises to wash over you and remind you again of his goodness. Can I just encourage you about how powerful the word of God is? This is a word that we got for the church last Sunday by a guy by the name of Pastor Murray Newman. He was here in the service. He was sitting about in the second row, um, bald head guy, and uh, he was an incredible guy. He's a great prophet, great leader, and um, he, he sent me this message during the service, and um, I looked at it and went through it afterwards, but it said this, it said, flow, talking about City Church, flow. I saw a huge river flowing through the auditorium, a great flow of God touching everything and everyone in the church, and it was very great and very God. A flow of God, Holy Spirit, a flow of power, a flow of supernatural, a flow of supply, a flow of favor, a flow of miracles, a flow of salvations for his glory and for his kingdom. God is moving you into a kingdom church where God's goodness and mercy are displayed, where people don't just attend or give man pleading service, but true transformation of heart and life. I love when God speaks. I love when God encourages us. I love when God's word reminds us again that he's for us and not against us. That he has a great purpose and plan for our life, that we are more than conquerors. If God is for us, who can be against us? There's something about his word that refreshes us and strengthens us. And so can I encourage you? to join with us on this plan, to be part of this as we start today and reading the different chapters. There's different ways you can be involved, but we have a group chat on Facebook just called City Church Proverbs Plan. It's open to everybody. You can jump on there and you can write your comments on there each day. We can encourage each other as we go through the process. There's more information out in the foyer. But secondly, this morning, as I come to a a close, I'm just going to rush through these quickly. The team want to come. The second thing is this, God's perspective is greater than any person's pessimism. It's funny in this story that 
this snake attaches itself and poisons Paul. And immediately the people want to call him a murderer. They want to call him a prisoner. They want to call him a criminal. They want to immediately remind him of why he's in chains. They want to immediately remind him of the situation that he's in. But God's perspective of Paul never changed. God knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew that that place was going to get, that that boat was going to get shipwrecked. He knew he was going to end up on that, that island. He knew that this moment was a setup so that people could get healed. And sometimes God will use you to get to people that nobody else is getting to because of a detour and your pain, you bring healing to other people. None of us want it. We never want the pain. But sometimes in our pain is a megaphone of hope. Sometimes in our pain is healing for somebody else. And oftentimes we get distracted by the detour when it's actually been a directive from God to take our pain, to leverage it for His purpose and to allow God to do something powerful in the midst of our pain when we don't even understand it. The spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Don't allow the the pain of your current situation to take away the true perspective of how God sees you. He loves you. He believes in you. He cares for you. He's got a great purpose for you. If you've got a pulse, you've got a purpose. God wants to use you. You know, any of the great people in the Bible, on the surface, they didn't look like they had what it took. David, hidden out, forgotten by his father, the shepherd boy out tending the sheep when they're looking for a king. They weren't looking for David. They're looking for everybody else but him. Gideon, God calls him a mighty warrior. You're going to lead my people. You're going to lead the army. But here he was hiding in a wine press, afraid, terrified. Paul, who would have picked Paul? This guy that's persecuting the church. Can you imagine the doubt of the people that he would have encountered? Other Christians, how they would have dismissed him and thought, no way I respect this guy. He killed my brothers and sisters in Christ. Think about Peter. Seems like a joke that he was chosen to be this great leader. This is the guy that's wavering. He's denying Jesus. Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan. This guy that doesn't have the faith to walk on the water, but he did walk on the water. This guy that seems to be so tossed around, but God still loved him. And God uses us, even though sometimes we can't see it in ourselves. He uses us. Don't let other people's pessimism rob you from God's perspective of your life and what God has for you. And finally, the last thing is this. God's purpose is greater than any of your polished plans. Amy and I ended up at this church because we were completely shipwrecked. Our pastor had essentially committed fraud We were in a situation where there was just turmoil in our church. And as we worked with the state executive, which Kevin was on, we we got fired. We lost our jobs because we were doing 
the right thing. And it was so painful. And for the times that we moved to this church for the first couple of years, it, we were just lost. Why are we praying, paying the price for somebody else's mistake? Why did that happen to me? Why are we even here in the Blue Mountains? We had a great ministry life there. We were heading in a great direction. We had plans to plant a church in Newcastle. And it seemed like the whole thing just blew up. And we landed on shore at the Blue Mountains. Little did we know. God had a purpose in mind. We thought it was a detour, but it was actually God's direction. And it's funny how we can all look back on our lives and literally God does that. Well, we just felt like we were headed in the wrong direction, but God has brought us back. So can I remind you this morning, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance. The race God has set before us, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Would you stand with me this morning? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you've called every one of us with a purpose, that we are saved and called. And Lord, I pray this morning you'd help us to shake it off, whatever's holding us back, whatever apathy's trying to cling, with, cling to us, bitterness, small thinking, our past, a bad self-identity, whatever is holding on to us this morning. Lord Jesus, we actively make the decision to shake it off. And Lord, we step into this new season, this new era, this new time for City Church, understanding that you have saved and called us with a purpose. You've set us apart, Lord God, to be used by you. And I pray that we would each take our part. We would take our place. And understand that every one of us together as family, as an army, as people that are called, Lord, stand together shoulder to shoulder with a purpose that's greater than ourselves. Lord, take our giftings, take our talents, take the small ability that we have and do something powerful, I pray. Take the bread and the loaves and feed the 5,000. Take what's in our hand and part the sea. Lord, do something powerful in our lives. As we focus on you, Jesus, lead us into purpose. Lead us into our destiny as a church. And as individuals, I pray, in your mighty and your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. In a personal relationship with Jesus is what it's all about. And I'm going to pray the sinner's prayer right now. And Let's not have pride to think that if we've been off track this week that this prayer isn't for us. Because relationship is as strong as it is right now. It's not the relationship you had two months ago, 10 years ago, 30 years ago. Revival starts now. Revival starts with personal relationship right now. And so whether you're close or far from, from God this morning, we're going to pray this prayer and make sure that we're aligned with Jesus because that's where purpose starts. It's called the sinner's prayer. I'm going to pray it right now. I'm going to ask you to repeat it after me. 
Let's close our eyes and let's say this with all of our heart. If we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, Jesus is Lord, we shall be saved. Repeat this after me. Dear Lord Jesus, today I give you my life. For my sin, I'm sorry. I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness. And I receive your grace. Help me to live for your purpose. And serve you each day. In Jesus' name. Amen.